everybody. Welcome to today's edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. I'm here today with Nilanjana Bhomik, who has two affiliations. She has been a long-time general partner of Longworth Venture Partners and has recently co-founded a new fund called Converge. Nilanjana, welcome to the show. Delighted to be here. So let's uh, get to know you and your, uh, you know, your venture capital associations. What, uh, what is your background, and and a little bit get let help our uh, audience of entrepreneurs get to know you. Uh, absolutely, it's it's a great pleasure to be here, and uh, let me start out with a little bit of my background and how I came to be in venture. So. I am uh, an engineer by training. I have a uh, undergrad and a master's in computer science, and I started my career at a very exciting company uh, here in Boston uh, called Object Design. This was the world's first object-oriented database, and uh, backed by NEA and Harvard Management. Uh, joined them as an engineer. Uh, the company was going fast. Raised my hand for every job that opened up, and quickly ended up running their entire solutions business. Uh, in the meantime, the company had gone public and uh, ran. Uh, I, I ended up owning about a third of the company's revenue. So that was very exciting. Uh, but at the same time, I felt there was, uh, it, I could learn some more and then got uh, an MBA from INSEAD and from there joined Broadview. For uh, some of your audiences, they may remember Broadview. It is today the technology banking arm of Jefferies. And uh, there I wore multiple hats. Uh, We not only ran transactions, but some of us who were technical enough also uh, uh, did equity research, if you will, but private company equity research. So I was in charge of running all the market maps that uh, for enterprise tech that Broadview was very famous for. And that was quite an interesting experience uh, because when you're in an operating company, you're like object design, your world view is very inside out. Uh, but you, yeah. if you're at a place like Broadview, where, you know, which is dealing with uh, M&A transactions of hundreds and hundreds of companies, you tend to take an outside-in view. And uh, so I, I got to see how value gets created in a different way, uh, you know, financially. And I think uh, that was very interesting training ground for what eventually became my third, the third part of my career, which is venture investing. So from Broadview, I joined Longwood Venture Partners. And uh, there I have been doing B2B early stage investing. Uh, and very recently uh, got together with a longtime colleague, uh, Maya Heyman, and launched a new venture firm called Converge. Uh, there is a, a very specific phenomena going on here in Boston uh, where there is a huge uh, you know, uh, quality crop of very high-quality companies that are getting funded. There's quite a bit of seed capital here. Uh, but at the same time, the firms that used to historically do Series A, uh, first institutional investing, if you will, have all moved to growth investing. So uh, I guess they've become so successful that they have more and more capital under management. And as a result, there is a, a very big vacuum here for that foundational company building capital that used to be the role of Series A. So. Uh, Maya and I see uh, a big need for that type of capital to come back to this region. Uh, This region is very strong. 
particularly in B2B, uh, given sort of our roots in, uh, you know, hard tech, uh, the, the, the location of MIT next to us. Uh, so that's led to uh, the creation of the new firm, and uh, that's a very quick synopsis of my background yeah. and where I'm today. Wonderful. So uh, Longworth was about a $150 million fund, right? It's a hundred. The last fund was a hundred twenty-five million dollar fund, correct? One hundred twenty-five million. And um, what's so? Talk to the stage that you um, want to invest in. How do you define Series A here in Silicon Valley? Um, what we are seeing is a fragmentation and a segmentation of the seed seed to Series A ecosystem. You know, when I was doing my first company, actually, my second company was found. Uh, funded by NEA as well. But at the time, NEA was okay with doing these very early stage deals, but they no longer are because they're so big. Um, and, and your point about uh, you know capital moving further and further upstream is very true. However, at least in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of new capital that has come in. A lot of new micro VCs have come into the ecosystem, and there's a ton of companies that are doing seed, post-seed, pre-series A, small series A, even if the larger funds are going into the $7 to $10 million series A, there is a class of firm funds that are coming in to fill the gap and investing the, you know, one, three, five million series A, um, you know, gap that was created. So how do you define series A from your point of view in the Boston ecosystem, and and what do you want to see in the company, in a B two B company? What validation, what level of validation do you want to see for, to be able to call that uh, company worthy of a Series A from your standpoint? It's a it's a great question, and you know I think the market is extremely confusing. But at the same time, I would also say that I think there's a rich array of choices for entrepreneurs. Uh, but you know, someone starting a company today needs to understand the nuances of these terms and funds and uh, dynamics uh, more than before, so that they, you know, don't waste their time with 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 the wrong firm. So, uh, Series A for me is a is a type of investing. So, meaning that this is Series A tends to be a, a particular type of portfolio construction where ownership is, matters, which is very different from seed investing, which where you're spreading your capital across a much larger number of investments and you're compromising on ownership. So, uh, you know, cl- what I would say we do is classic Series A investing, meaning we construct a smaller portfolio. We still have enough number of companies in those uh, to have diversity for investors, but we take significant ownership, and that's the key. The stage of the company can vary. It can be, you know, uh, two entrepreneurs with no company formed yet, all the way to a company that has raised some capital and, uh, you know, has some revenue. So that that's sort of the difference. So, for example, in my Longwood portfolio, uh, I have companies where I have been the very first foundational investor, if you will, where there was sort of mm-hmm. no product, uh, no office. And uh, sometimes we called the security a series seed. Sometimes we called it a series A. 
but it was comprised of one or two investors that took some meaningful ownership and therefore had skin in the game to mm-hmm. stay with the company uh, through its uh, through its growth. Um, so it's how you reserve capital and how you think about follow-on investing. That's really the key uh, difference in what might be called a Series A investor versus a seed investor. Well, well explained. So you are, if I'm hearing you right, you are comfortable with, you know, a team that has a concept and and is pre-product. It, your definition of Series A embraces that kind of a team. Is that a uh, reasonable observation? We may we may call it a you know security, maybe call a seed Series seed, uh, and really depends on where uh, where in the tech stack that company is and what's the profile of the team. So. Uh, typically, you know, we, we invest up and down the tech stack. By the tech stack, I mean sort of, you know, very uh, high IP infrastructure layer all the way to sort of easier to get started with a couple of million of seed application layer. Uh, okay. So if if it's at the application layer, you know, it's relatively easy to start uh, something with a million or two of seed capital and get to you know some revenue. But we we see companies that have taken a million and a half of seed and are getting to a million of ARR. So for those yep. types of companies, we will go in after the seed round and we will because there's such a huge supply. You know we are more demanding and we will look for some revenue and early momentum. On the other hand, if it's a company which is sort of you know hard IP that requires some yep. significant engineering dollars before revenue. Uh, can be seen, we can, we are very comfortable going in pre-revenue, pre-product. Excellent. Very good to hear that because it's such a rare category these days, you know, what we call slightly, you know, it's not, doesn't really follow the lean startup in principle. It's a bit of a fast startup. And uh, I know a few investors who do those things, but they're not that many. And, and it's, uh, it's good that you're doing uh, that as well. So uh, within B2B, what, um, what trends do you like if you look at your last, um, let's say, 15 months of deal flow, what are you seeing and what are you liking? We we see a lot of things. We focus on a few things. Um, so we are uh, in the class of more proactive investors. So we uh, are quite disciplined in the type of things that we want to go after. And I can mention a couple of areas that are of interest in our current fund. Um, uh, One area which is emerging, uh, which is extremely early, uh, and you could say, you know, 98% of it is noise, uh, but 2% is quite real, is uh, is blockchain. And within that specifically, we are interested in the protocol versus, uh, you know, uh, currency-related Technology. Yeah. Uh, so right. that that that's an area that's of great interest. There's a huge, you know, surprisingly, uh, very high quality company formation taking place, uh, and surprisingly, uh, customer adoption has uh, begun. Uh, you know, so it's it's mm-hmm. not that early. We see that as a huge. Uh, it's it's a protocol that has the potential to displace the entire software stack. Um, so it's of great interest to us. Uh, but it's early days. Um, mm-hmm. You know, another area which where uh, Boston is very strong uh, and where we see a huge market opportunity is what we call Industry 4.0. Uh, we think that 
you know, the, the technologies are at a certain set of technologies are at a point of confluence, which is bringing about sort of the biggest change to manufacturing since the Industrial Revolution. And so that would be the confluence of robotics, advanced robotics, IoT, AI, yeah. additive manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have invested in all pockets of those areas, but we are becoming quite uh, systematic in our approach to uh, the transformation. Yeah. And MIT is full of those. <laughs> and, and MIT is, uh, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of uh, robotics uh, additive is coming out of MIT, uh, mm-hmm. and so that's that's exciting for us. So, do you invest only in the Boston area? We invest uh, up and down the East Coast, and uh, you know the big tech hubs uh, on the side are obviously Boston, New York, and uh, you know surprisingly high quality of companies now coming out of Canada, uh, Toronto and Ottawa. Waterloo obviously has been a strong computer science yeah. school, uh, and and so there's uh, we see good activity there as well. Great. What? Um what are the highlights of your current portfolio? And this probably we're talking about Longworth as opposed to uh, Converge, Converge, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. These are, you know, uh, I'd say a good, good uh, range of companies spanning all the way from infrastructure to uh, the application layer. Uh, we we just um, uh, transacted a company in the uh, crowd application testing area that we first backed uh, way back in, you know, 2009-10, and this was uh, called Applause, and they, what they did is they uh, created this whole concept of on-demand uh, testing uh, of software, uh, so truly leveraging the power of the cloud to uh, not have to have sort of, you know, uh, your, your entire own infrastructure of, of testers and Q&A professionals, but really uh, getting it done on demand on as needed basis. Uh, again, great example of a company where we were the first institutional investor and we took that all the way to uh, you know 100 million plus in revenue. And the company was mm-hmm. going uh, considering going uh, public, but uh, uh, got a strong inbound offer and, and you know decided to exit uh, that way. So. Uh, oh. You know that that was a, a recent uh, good exit for us. Thanks, and then yeah, we have, and we have you know several other very exciting companies. Uh, I mentioned additive manufacturing. We have a company called Rise Technologies, which is uh, is a breakthrough innovation in uh, additive and 3D printing, where it eliminates it brings uh, the strength of metal. To thermoplastic parts and it eliminates uh, all post-processing, which has been a huge impediment to adoption in 3D printing over the past 20 years. So uh, that's another uh, exciting company where you can bring 3D printing to the point of manufacturing, where it needs to get manufactured, where a part needs to get manufactured and consumed. Um, so yeah. that's, uh, that's an exciting one. Uh, there are many others, so I can obviously we love our portfolio like our children, so we can keep yes, talking. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, how? What percentage of your deals are um, are MIT origin deals? Uh, I would say you know MIT origin or MIT staff would be almost half of it, uh, probably. Uh, 
<laughs> well, uh, as yeah, you can imagine, I have a huge soft corner for all that. <laughs> <laughs> so your alma mater, correct. Yeah. My alma mater, absolutely, yes. All right, well, uh, very good. It's um, Give me an idea about, uh, about what you're doing and where you're focusing. Well, I'll ask you one last question. Sure. Actually, two last questions. And both of those are trend questions. One of them is about unicorn mania. You know, Silicon Valley went kind of bonkers with that unicorn mania, funding all sorts of stuff and with all sorts of bad terms, over bloated, overfunding, debt by overfunding. I mean, all kinds of nonsense. How do you view that sitting in Boston? How does unicorn mania feature in your world, in your universe, and how do you parse it? Yes, I think we are blessed that we are removed from Silicon Valley by a few thousand miles. So, <laughs> uh, and the fact that we do B two B. So, I think uh, you know, I think the unicorn mania is a combination of the va- it's it's concentrated more in the valley and more in consumer uh, mm-hmm. tech companies. I think which have a very different profile. Um, so. We tend to see far less of that uh, in the B2B world. Uh, I think in the B2B world, uh, things tend to be a lot more uh, metrics-based and therefore valuations are uh, grounded in operating performance, uh, if you, if I may say so. So, uh, you know, I think we tend to uh, really focus on company building strong operating metrics uh, once we go into a company and then, you know, the growth investors respond accordingly. If a company is operating well and it has strong metrics, then uh, there's a lot of capital upstream that, that wants to come into those high-quality companies. Uh, but, um, you know, we always keep our expectations and we tell our management to um, keep their ex- expectational expectations real because, you know, um, too much money at, uh, at too crazy va- valuations can sometimes end up being a problem for business. So Huge good business. Problem. Can be right, can, right. So you know, expectations if they're distorted can lead to just um, uh, sort of a, a good situation appearing to be not so good because your expectations are, are there's just too much demand on management to produce results that a company simply can't. And right. That's, that's yeah. right. So that's uh, that's a problem sometimes with uh, unicorns. Yeah. So last question. We are in March 2018. And, um, you know, lots of stuff has already been built. There aren't as many wide open billion dollar opportunities out there, but there are many niche opportunities. And some of these businesses need to be built for smaller amounts of capital and sold for, you know, early exits, smaller exits. The vast majority of the exits in our industry happens at the sub 50 million range. So if you do stuff for, you know, in a capital efficient manner, you can access these uh, reasonable exits, and, um, and and there are just a lot more such opportunities than the big billion-dollar swinging for the fences kinds of opportunities. How do you view these? How do you view this dynamic of the industry? I, I absolutely, you know, agree with that. I mean, you know, we have this, I have this conversation with many entrepreneurs that not every business needs or should raise venture capital, I think. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, I think entrepreneurs really need to understand that. And sometimes they don't have to make that decision uh, uh, on day one, right? They can they can start with some seed capital and see what type of business it is, uh, what growth it can possibly have. 
Uh, and frankly, you know, what's what's the best decision for the entrepreneur? I mean, sometimes taking money uh, kind of robs you of a good exit opportunity because the venture investors have a different expectation in terms of outcomes. So I, I 100% agree with you. Uh, the good news is I think there's that the possibility for that set of exits between you know, 10 to 50 ha- has increased uh, in the last five, 10 years, right? So yeah. uh, I think entrepreneurs need to be smart about capitalizing their business and keeping their options open. Yep. All right, well, wonderful. Uh, Nilanjana, please uh, let us know if you are visiting uh, the Bay Area and let's uh, get together in person. Absolutely. Thank you for your time and great pleasure talking to you. Yeah, likewise. And thank you, audience, for listening. Uh, be sure to check out the website and go to 1mby1m.com and go to the free public roundtable tab on the top of the, the homepage. There you will find the schedule for our free mentoring roundtables. If you want to bring your project and work with us on a, in a safe working environment, get some help, get some coaching, get some mentoring, you're most welcome. And I will... Uh, See you soon uh, at one of our, either one of our next mentoring sessions or one of these podcasts. Speak soon. Bye-bye.